From Brown Cow Studios in Montana, this is News Nerds, the news podcast. Pro-Trump protesters stormed the Capitol building today as lawmakers were certifying the Electoral College votes from the 2020 election. One person was shot in the breach of the Capitol, and at least seven were hospitalized. Lawmakers were evacuated to Fort McNair. And the Georgia Senate runoff elections. Both Democratic candidates won seats in the Senate, making Democrats the Senate majority leaders. Both incumbent Senators Kelly Leffler and David Perdue were not elected. Also, the actor Philip Winchester, he joins me for an interview on this week's episode. And we have Debbie from New York back on the show for a third episode. I'm Ezra Graham, your host for this week's episode. This is News Nerds, and stay tuned. In a day already full of headlines, Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building. This breach of the Capitol building disrupted the proceedings that confirm the electoral votes of the presidential election. Earlier on Wednesday, the Capitol building was flooded with protesters yielding Trump signs, Confederate signs, and in some reports, Nazi signs. The House and Senate were hearing arguments about Arizona presidential election results when the session went into recess because of the protesters that had penetrated barriers outside of the building illegally and stormed the halls of the Capitol building. Lawmakers had to duck and cover following protests, attempting to break into the chamber. Lawmakers panicked, and as Jason Crow, a Democrat of Colorado, said, he thought lawmakers and the police would have to, quote, fight their way out, unquote. Crow and other members of the House and Senate wore gas, gas masks, and Crow says that in a desperate attempt, he brought out a pen, the only thing he, he had that could be used as a possible we- weapon. Later, the House and Senate members evacuated to Fort McNair. Police officers from the D.C. area were all across the protests, and the National Guard was called on site. One woman was shot and then died, and at least seven were hospitalized. New reporting shows that the shooter of this woman was a senior Capitol Police officer. The woman was carrying no weapons. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi tweeted that the House and Senate would reconvene tonight. Tonight, The Senate has reconvened, but at this time that I am talking to you, the House has not. This, the, the House is expected to reconvene around, uh, in, in about an hour or two. Um, this is because the House chamber was damaged more than the Senate chamber. Mike Pence took the Senate floor and said, that this is a quote that this is still quote the people's house unquote so there's been no mention of president trump made by mike pence in the start of this 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 new um this new session reconvened and um we've seen that mike pence and mitch mcconnell senate majority leader for now have not really mentioned president trump and I, I should say that Pence stayed at the Capitol instead of evacuating. It's not clear why that decision was m- made, but that is what happened. And since the Senate has reconvened, some news has broke regarding Republicans that will not be objecting 
to the results of the election. For example, the 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 senator from Georgia that was just defeated in e, the the special election runoff election in Georgia, Kelly Leffler has announced that she will no longer be objecting to the results. And uh, our senator here in Montana, um, Steve Daines, has said the same. So that is interesting as as, as this violence uh, broke out. And Leffler said that this decision was made on her part because of the violence. And she said she could not uh, she could not vote against the results after what the violence that we have seen. President Trump has had much to say about uh, this, this, these riots and, of course, took to Twitter. He said that the protesters should go home, but the election was still stolen. Uh, and, of course, he has not conceded that election. This video uh, directed at the protester, prote protesters on his Twitter feed was removed by Facebook and Twitter, it was also on Facebook. Uh, two tweets addressing the riot remained on Twitter, both of which asked the protesters to, quote, remain peaceful, peaceful unquote. Uh, Twitter cracked down further on Trump's account, Twitter account, when he continued to violate uh, Twitter's rule, rules about posting tweets that told protesters to, quote, remember this day, unquote. And they locked Trump's account for 12 hours. Well, in the upcoming hours, we'll see more, and by the time you hear this, it will probably be Thursday, and the House will have reconvened, and um, they may may have gone through these proceedings regarding the con confirmation of the electoral votes in the Senate and the House. And we have news now about the Georgia Senate runoff elections, both of which have been called by the Associated Press, which News Nerds relies on for election results. Uh, and we have, uh, as I mentioned, both of these results in, and both Democratic challengers won these, these elections, making the Democrats narrowly, very narrowly, control the Senate, which means Chuck Schumer will be the majority leader, while Mitch McConnell will be the minority leader. Uh, that will be that will make things easier for the Joe Biden administration, because uh, you saw, uh, like the Obama administration, Republicans controlled the Senate there, so Obama couldn't pass some of his big bills that he wanted to get through. This will not be the case for. Joe Biden, but it is very narrow. The Democrats, the, the Democrats lead in the Senate. So these two races were David Perdue versus John Ossoff. John Ossoff is the Democrat, and David Perdue is the Republican. The other one was Kelly Loeffler versus uh, Raphael Warnock. So Kelly Loeffler was the Republican, and Raphael Warnock is the Democrat. So John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock will be the next Georgia Senators. Now let's go to uh, to the margin of the 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 margin of um, the margin of success for these Democratic candidates. Raphael Warnock won against Kelly Leffler by one point six percent according to the Associated Press. And if you want to know what that is in votes, that is about 65,000 votes, a bit more than that. And then, 
we have uh, John Ossoff and David Perdue. John Ossoff only won by a narrow 0.8%, uh, which is very narrow, half of what Raphael Warnock won by, uh, and John Ossoff won by about 35,000 votes, about half of what Raphael Warnock won by. So you must remember that if things would have been closer, if they w would have been within a half a percent, then there would have been a recount. And we've seen this year, and uh, well, last year, because 2020 election was in 2020, that, that recounts don't really change much. They can change 100 votes, whatever, 120, 80 votes, but they don't change much. It's not like David Perdue is going to get that 35,000 votes that he needs to win that election. For example, the presidential election in Georgia. That was close, but after three recounts, uh, Joe Biden was confirmed. And we saw that nothing really changed. Uh, and that would have probably been the case with these elections, too. Um, so I, was, I should note that both of these Republicans are incumbent senators, and these Democrats won, making them the first Democratic senators in Georgia in 20 years. And Raphael Warnock is the first African-American senator in Georgia history. I should also note that Leffler and, uh, and Purdue have not conceded. This is kind of like how President Trump has not conceded to uh, Joe Biden in the presidential election. So we'll see in the upcoming days what happens here. Uh, and maybe Kelly Leffler will have a change of heart because we've seen her, uh, we've seen her, uh, take back her, her, her vote that, uh, that could determine something in the Senate. Um, she said that she would not vote against election results. Let, we, we will see in the upcoming days what she has to say, as along with David Perdue, about their elections. But we do know that, that, the Democrats control the Senate now, and that that will make things easier for President-elect Joseph Biden. Let's now go to my interview with Philip Winchester. He is an actor known for numerous roles, and he talked to me about all of this in an interview. Winchester is a local actor now based in Bozeman, Montana. He starred in numerous movies and he joins me now. Welcome. Good morning, Ezra. Have you been acting during the pandemic? <clears throat> I actually have. I've been really lucky. Not a lot, but I managed to do a film last September and October in Kenya. So I flew to Los Angeles had a 24-hour COVID test because you need to get a COVID test, get on a plane, and land in your destination within 72 hours of getting tested. So I got my COVID test, came back negative, thank goodness, got on a plane, land, went to LA to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Nairobi, and stayed in Nairobi for a few days and quarantined before we went to a place called Ambaseli, which is in the southern part of Kenya. And we stayed at this really cool hunting lodge and 
animal sanctuary where you know they had they would have elephants come in every day to the watering hole that was right outside the breakfast area and giraffe and zebra and water buffalo i mean it was it was amazing and we shot a movie out there it took us about five weeks and i came back middle of october so i've been really lucky because a lot of people just have been you know like broadway actors and theater actors they haven't been able to work at all so i've been very fortunate so as a kid did you want to take on acting as your job I think, I think I did. I, didn't, I don't know when it really clicked in for me. When I was eight years old, my mother and father moved to England because my mother's English. And so we moved back to London to live there for a year. And I went to school in England, which would have been about second grade. I would have been about uh, second or third grade age. And I remember we did a play and I remember all the kind of feelings of being up on stage and learning lines and hanging out with our classmates. And I felt really... It felt, it felt good, it felt normal to do something like that, but I never, but I, but I didn't go anywhere with it. And then when I came back to the States, I had a really great teacher in fourth grade called Mrs., named Mrs. Phillips. And we did uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And she cast me as Willy Wonka in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And so I would have been, I would have been 10 or 11 years old. And ever since that moment, ever since doing Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I thought, all right, this is, this is something I want to do. So what effect did you use in the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art have on you as a person and as an actor? So when I moved to London in 1999, I was 18 years old. And so I was still, I was still a kid and I was a young 18 years old because I'd, I'd grown up in Belgrade, I had really great parents, but I was, kind of, I was kind of insulated from the world a little bit. So London really opened my eyes to music and culture and all of these things that I hadn't been exposed to yet as a young man. And in combination with the training that was happening at drama school, it was challenging for me because it was stuff I didn't understand. You know, I grew up, I grew up here in Belgrade and then my grandfather had a ranch on Huffine where they had Black Angus cattle. And so my world was pretty, it was pretty simple. You know, we got up and worked and, you know, I, I had a paper route and made some money by working at, at a restaurant in Belgrade called Country Kitchen. And I worked at IGA bagging groceries. So I had a really, you know, American kind of upbringing. And then moving to London, it was just full on culture shock. I mean, the people, the places, the history, the vibe of the city and how fast it was, it was completely different than anything I'd ever experienced. Even though I visited, living somewhere is a totally different experience. I think for me at that time in my life, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts and London was just a cup filling experience. It was, a, it was one of those moments in your life where you realize there's so much more than what you understand and what you know. And you can either hang on and learn or you can jump off and go back to what you, what you understand. And I was lucky and my dad came out. I was thinking about dropping out of drama school at one point because I, I just was getting my butt kicked, you know, with learning and the city and the pace of everything. And he came over and he said, listen, you can, you can come back and work on the ranch if you want, or you can take a chance and maybe become an actor. And I'm really grateful that he did that. How did your acting career first take off? How did you get your first parts and how did, how did it really take off? Boy, that's good. You know, oftentimes in acting, there's sort of lots of, Lots of different starts and stops. I, I got a job at 16 years old at a, at a 
at a film that came through Ennis. So I was still in high school and um, a film came through Ennis, which was a Steven Seagal movie called The Patriot. And I got a speaking role in that movie. And I remember sitting down and talking with the director and talking with some of the actors about what it meant to actually be a professional actor in the industry. Uh, and then of course, nothing happened for a long time after that. I was 16, I graduated from high school, I moved to London, I did three years of training at Lambda. And then when I left Lambda, I did, you know, I did kind of the usual route. I picked up a little horror movie that we shot in this place called the Isle of Man, which is an island between Ireland and England. And then I, I picked up a movie called Thunderbirds, which was with Bill Paxton and Ben Kingsley. And it was supposed to be a three picture deal. It was supposed to make us all famous and be this amazing thing. And the movie completely tanked and nobody watched it. And that, and you know, so we were all told, oh, it's gonna be, you guys, have, you guys have made it. You guys have arrived. And uh, it just completely tanked. And so there was all these false up and downs and these false starts and stops in, in, in my career. I think the biggest one for me was, I did a movie or I did a television series called Strike Back in 2010. And that was on a network called Cinemax and people really liked that show. Prior to that though, I had done a stint with the Royal Shakespeare Company doing uh, King Lear and the Seagull. And for me, probably as an actor, that was the most, that was the best thing I'd ever done. It was, you know, being on stage with Ian McKellen and all these amazing actors from around the country. And we toured the world. It was such a cool experience. And I was young and I didn't have any responsibility so I could throw myself into the work. And, um, that for me was probably the best. That was probably the best experience I've had. Yeah, I read about your part in King Lear. So you're, you've lived in Montana for most of your life and you could have moved to anywhere and maybe had a, a more more opportunities but why did you choose to stay in montana that's a great question man i so it's funny i don't know if you feel this but when i was growing up i didn't really know what was in front of me so like montana is amazing right and especially where we're at in the gallatin valley it's so beautiful and the older I got, you know, so 15, 16, 17 years old, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get out of here. Yeah, there's nothing to do. And when I was young, back in the 90s, 80s and 90s here in Bozeman, there was really nothing to do. It, you know, except like all this amazing stuff that you took for granted, like skiing and hiking and fishing and camping and being outdoors with friends. But at that time, I wanted more and uh, sort of foolishly didn't see what was in front of me. But I ended up dating this gal in high school named Megan Coughlin, who is the, is the gal that I married later on in life. So there was always this pull to come back to our home. And it was actually my wife's idea. It was Megan's idea. We were, we were finishing up, or we were in the second season of Strike Back. We were living in Africa. We were living in um, Johannesburg, Africa, and we were shooting in Joburg and Budapest in Hungary. And she came back and started looking at houses in Bozeman because she said, I think we should live in Bozeman. I think we should go back to Bozeman when we're done working in all these different countries and recharge, right? And I said, yeah, okay, let's do that. And she found a house in downtown Bozeman and uh, we could afford it. She, she put a down payment on it and that was, 20, that was 2012. And so we've been able to bounce from Bozeman for the last, shoot, eight, nine years, which has been a huge gift because the business is crazy. And the cities that sort of encapsulate the business, like Los Angeles and New York and Atlanta and London, they're amazing cities. 
But for me, if I was in those cities, it always felt like I was chasing something. And I always had to be working and chasing something. Whereas if I'm in Montana, I can, I can be a father and I can be a husband and I can turn the volume down on those other things in my life and focus on my family and focus on uh, the actual important things. So how do you balance family and work? You know what, Ezra, it's kind of a day-to-day -day thing. So I suppose, you know, to, to answer it, in what's been happening the last year. I know a lot of people thought that 2020 was horrible and, uh, and it was for a lot of people. A lot of terrible things happened for people in 2020. We were really fortunate in 2020. You know, like I said, we were able to do one job. We were able to save a lot of the resources that we were, that we were given in other jobs prior to 2020. So we had something to lean on when everything shut down. And, for us, 2020 was a time to be together as a family. I mean, when things got locked down in March, March through, shoot, did we lock down March, April, May, and then open up kind of May, June in Bozeman? We had three meals a day together at the table, and we went for a walk every morning, and we've kind of kept those rituals in our lives. And so for us, the balance is really when we're not working, we just fully dive into being a family. We go out to breakfast at Little Star in the morning, we go for walks, we swim and hike and ice skate and ski and do all the things that we're so fortunate to be able to do here. And then when it's time for me to go to work, I'm really fortunate that my wife is very understanding of what I do and she's a stay-at-home mom. And so when I go off to work for a month at a time or two months at a time, she takes care of the girls and we stay in touch over FaceTime and, I try and get home as often as possible. That's gonna change because of COVID because you're not around, allowed to bounce as much. But um, we just have an understanding that when, the, when we're home together, the volume's really up on being together and dedicating our time and resources to each other. And when I'm away, she understands that the volume's down on that and I have to throw myself into my work. So it's, um, it's a day-to-day -day thing, man. And I wish there was an easier answer because <laughs> it would be great if there was, but it's just every job is different and every day on every job is different. So it's just checking in with each other and seeing where we're at constantly. What are some of your favorite scenes that you have been in? Man, that's a great one. So like I said earlier, I think some of my, the, the job with the Royal Shakespeare Company playing Edmund was really great because I had a lot of time in front of the audience together. And the way the role... The, the way I was directed to play the role in that particular version of it was very much towards the audience. They were asides to the audience. So I got to spend a lot of time hanging out with the crowds and with the audiences from all over the world. And I, that was an amazing experience as a young actor. I was 20, shoot, I was 26, 27 years old. And uh, that was a really amazing experience. And it gave me a lot of confidence. I've been, we've had some really cool stuff. In Strike Back, it was a big military show. So we got to fly around in the back of helicopters. I got to jump into the back of helicopters and jump off of helicopters onto trains. We got to ride motorbikes all over, this, all over cities. And I rode this motorbike in this place called the Floating City in Thailand. And you know it was up on these raised sidewalks and there was water on one side and houses on the other side and we were bombing down them. I've been in scenes where I've been set on fire. I've been in, I did a job called Robinson Crusoe where I played Robinson Crusoe 
from the Daniel Defoe novels. And that was one of my first big television jobs. And that was amazing because we did lots of sword fighting and lots of hanging out on the beach in, um, in a place called Plettenberg Bay in South Africa. There are so many cool things about jobs when you're working, but those ones really stand out to me. For, for me, I think that the best things about those jobs is the people and the places that we get to go. We've been really fortunate and we haven't worked much in the States. We've worked a lot overseas. So we have, we have been to these amazing countries, these amazing cities, and we've worked with incredibly talented people. And you realize no matter where you are in the world, we're all really, we're all more similar than we are different, right? We want our families to be safe and taken care of. We want to enjoy our work. And so I think that's the best part about what I do is being confronted with these truths of, of life, no matter where you are in the world and no matter what culture you're, you're mixing with. Overall, what is your favorite part of being an actor? Shoot, I, maybe, maybe that. I, I, I think the mixing with the mixing with different people and different cultures that I've been allowed to do. I mean, because I haven't just been working in a back lot in Los Angeles, you know, I've been working in, you know, South Africa and KwaZulu-Natal and Mozambique and Kenya and Thailand and London and, and Budapest and, and uh, Berlin, Germany. I mean, all over the, I've been able to go all over the world with my work and meet really cool people. I also like how challenging it is. I, I think that, a lot of the time people just assume, oh, you know, actors, you know, you just, you just swan out there and do your thing and it's easy and it's, it's really difficult. I mean, the challenge of not only getting a job, but, but, but being disciplined enough to believe that the next one's going to happen when you finish a job. Because I think a lot of actors, I think we're all very similar. We just assume the last job we did is the last job we're ever going to do. And sometimes that happens. And then you have to go, okay, I guess I'm going to be a, whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to, be a carpenter or I'm going to go work in a construction site or I'm going to be a teacher. So having the, I don't know. I, I just, I admire actors because I think they're courageous. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ups and downs in this business. And especially now, I mean, I look at all the Broadway actors and I'm like, man, you guys are just warriors right now, just holding out for when they can get back on stage. So I love the bravery of the people I'm around because we're all self-employed and we all have this dream that it's actually gonna work. And when you're on set and it is working, the vibe is electric. And you're all working towards the same goal about telling this one story and telling it as best as you can. That to me is so fulfilling and so satisfying that I can't, I haven't found that in anything else in life yet. So probably that, that working together as an ensemble and finding answers is probably the best thing about what I do. You talked about the, the scenes where you have to like jump out of helicopters onto trains. Did they bring out some stunt actor or did they use animation? What did they do there? So in that particular scene, it was in, uh, it was in, it was in outside of Budapest in Hungary. And we were flying in a uh, Eurocopter. It was us in the Eurocopter and we would, we would just, it, it sounds really complicated, but actually the train and the helicopter were moving at the same speed. So it was just like stepping off of, off of the helicopter onto, onto the train. And it was real people. We didn't use any um, CGI in Strike Back. So things like that just, yeah, it was really cool. We had a thing called a sky hook in, in Strike Back, which was where my buddy Sullivan Stapleton, who played Scott in the series, 
we had this big firefight inside this open fort yard and uh, we both had chest rigs on and, and uh, repelling harnesses and this helicopter flew in over the top of us dropped down a line and we both clicked into the line and then it picked us up and flew us out of the building and took us somewhere else and dropped us off and that was that was us and we did it in one take with a steady cam the steady cam operator was right in our face shooting us the whole time and he just clicked us up and we we flew out of the building and landed a few landed about a mile away and we we did that ourselves one of the cool thing one of the very cool things, one of the many cool things about Strike Back was we were allowed to do our own stunts. We did have an amazing stunt team as well, but we tried to do as many as were physically possible within the time allotted. And, uh, you know, from jumping onto the trains and we had this cool explosion on a dam where stuff was blowing up behind us and we jumped into some water. That was, I mean, you know, we did all that stuff ourselves, which was really cool. So do you like to play villains or heroes or civilians or what, what do you like to play? Um, man, that's a great one. My career has mostly, mostly been playing the hero archetype characters, which I enjoy. They're a lot of fun, but villains are, villains are particularly fun because they're, they're so much juicier and they kind of have so much more baggage with them, you know? I think that's probably why the character of Edmund in King Lear was so delicious and so sort of satisfying because there were so many different things to pull from as an actor. And the fact that it was a Shakespearean, that it is a Shakespearean play, it's so dense and it's so complicated that you're always finding new stuff inside the material to swim around in and learn and, and try and portray on stage. So I don't know. I don't know the full extent of that answer. I think that a, I just like to work, but B, I've been, I've been playing sort of the hero in so many of the things I've been able to do that I would, I would like to branch out now, maybe in 2021 and be more, be more the bad guy or play more villains and see what, uh, see what the audience thinks about that. So to end our discussion, what upcoming works will you have a part in, in 2021 and beyond? Over the course of the last few months, I've been on lots of interviews and lots of phone calls with producers about jobs that are shooting in South America and back in South Africa, Dominican Republic. I actually landed a job on the 28th, uh, so just a few days ago, where uh, I'm going to the Dominican Republic in February for three weeks to shoot a role. And they've consolidated my role into three weeks plus four days quarantine. And so I'll be able to fly in do my job and fly back home within three weeks. So I won't be away from my family for too long. And that project isn't yet, it's not out to talk about. So I'll just, uh, but I'm going, I'm working in February, which I'm really grateful for. <laughs> Cause like I said, it's been a, it's been a very strange time with COVID and all the restrictions and all the things we are supposedly not allowed to do, you know? Uh, so yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to have work coming up in 2021 for sure. Well, Philip Winchester, it was a, Delight to talk to you. Thank you for being on News Nerds. Ezra, this is totally awesome. I think what you're doing is right on, man. And uh, you should be proud of yourself. This is really cool stuff, brother. And thanks for having me on here. Let's now go to my interview 
with Debbie in New York. This is her third interview for News Nerds, and she plays a news quiz with us as well as answers my questions. Debbie joins us for the third time so far in News Nerds history from New York. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I love News Nerds from New York. Happy to be here again. So what does New York look like right now? Because COVID has gotten better in New York. So, so what does New York look like right now? Well, people are still being very careful. Honestly, it looks better, but in my hometown, more people have it now than they did in the beginning. And a lot of my friends recently have, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, have been diagnosed with COVID, which I was very surprised, but I also know that this is happening because people are letting their guards down because they think it's getting better, and they're traveling, and they're doing things that they're being ruled against on the news saying don't go to uh, families for Thanksgiving, Christmas, don't do small gatherings, the virus can spread and people are not listening, not following the rules and now they have COVID and a lot of my friends are very sick but thankfully they're all recovering. So is the vaccine, the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine circulating around New York City yet? I mean, New York City is a very big city, so that must be a priority. Who is getting it in New York? Yes, it is circulating slowly. We saw it on the news first, like in the city. And now, actually, people in my area and the towns surrounding me, I keep hearing, like, people that I know are getting it and it's slowly trickling in and it's mostly healthcare workers only and I believe it's in some nursing homes right now too but I do have a lot of friends in the medical field so they're slowly all getting it. So have you ever gone to Times Square for New Year's? No, I haven't, and I don't think I ever will, especially now. It's just crazy. We were actually talking about it on New Year's Eve because people have to line up 24 hours before, and you're crushed in there in a crowd, and there's millions of people, and it's no just... To go to the bathroom. Yes, that's what I said. How does anybody go to the bathroom? I'm happy on my couch with the fire going, watching yeah. the big screen. Sounds, sounds better. And then you can even stream it if you want for the for the ball drop. I just streamed it for the last 10 seconds when the ball dropped. And then I have we have to stay up two hours more to 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 actually have to stay up for New Year's because we're in mountain time. And I heard that like some people even this could be totally a myth, but I bet it is. But some people, because of the lack of bathrooms in Times Square, they bring diapers. I have heard that, and that's why I'd rather stay on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> I like the live streaming idea. That's great, because it's hard for us to even stay up until midnight. So I'll keep that in mind for the future. Yeah. You are now a grandma. How is your granddaughter doing, and what is... What is the grandma experience like? 
Oh, it's amazing. Everybody told me it was going to be great and I couldn't wait, but actually experiencing it myself, I can't even put into words how exciting it is and wonderful. And she's so delicious and cute. And I just love seeing this baby all the time. I can't get enough of her. I wish I could be with her every day. But we do live close. We're only a half hour apart from each other. So I do get to see her often. We're, we're now on the third of the new year. So what were your favorite moments of 2021, even though it was a bad, a, a, quite a bad year for many people? Did you have favorite moments from the year 2020? Um, well, my favorite moment was October 15th, 2020, because that's when my baby arrived, my granddaughter, Jade Reese Ortiz. So that was the happiest thing that came the whole year through this pandemic. It was great because I had that to look forward to. So it was exciting. Even though there was a lot of things we couldn't do, I did experience the most joyful time in this year. So I'm thankful and I'm trying to look at all the positive things that we have, which is good health, that no one in my family has virus, that we're all healthy and safe, and that we have a new beautiful baby. So I feel very blessed. So before we go to our news quiz that we'll be playing in just a second, what do you hope 2021 will be filled with and remembered for in the, in the history books? Well, I hope it'll be filled with all good health for my family and friends, a cure for this virus, the vaccine to work, and everybody to be able to experience getting this vaccine so we can stop this crazy pandemic. So let's go on to the news quiz. So I have five news-related questions and try your best to, to find the correct answer. And let's, now let's play. Okay, so first question. Which of the following people are not in the United States Senate? A, Lisa Murkowski, B, Alex Azar, or C, Tom Cotton? Oh, I'm gonna go with A which was Lisa Murkowski. Incorrect, I'm very sorry, but that was incorrect. It was ah! Alex Azar, he is, in the tr he is in Trump's cabinet. Lisa Murkowski is a senator from Alaska and Tom Cotton is a senator from Arkansas. Oh, wow. Next question. The two presidential debates were full of name calling. Which quote was not said by either President Trump or President-elect Biden? A, you're the worst president America's ever had. B, don't ever use that, the word smart with me. C, get out of your bunker. Or D, folks, do we have any idea what this clown is doing? I think C. Correct, that was not said <laughs> by either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Okay, Hi. so let's go on to our third question, which is, what is the title of Barack Obama's new book? A, Yes We Can, B, America As I Saw It, C, A Promised Land, or D, The Presidency? Mm -hmm. A. Yes We Can, that was a popular 
slogan of Obama's, but that was incorrect. The correct answer was a promised land. Oh, this is getting tough. <laughs> and it's, it's 700 pages long and uh, it is available in hardcover or in uh, audio form read by Barack Obama. So, in 2020, what was the most watched YouTube video? Was it A, the trailer for the new movie, The One and Only Ivan, streaming now on Disney Plus, B, Baby Shark, or C, Old Town Road by Little Nas X? Oh, I'm, I'm torn between B and C, but I'm gonna say B. It was, in fact, B. It was Baby Shark. Unfortunately, I hate that song. But, Baby yes. Baby Shark. Yes, that song. In December, Mike Pence, the, the uh, vice president of the United States, um, announced something about the, face, the Space Force. Was it A, that members will be called guardians. B, that the, the Space Force was inspired by an episode of Looney Tunes. Or C, the Space Force seal will include an alien and an American flag. Hmm, A or C? I'm just gonna guess A. Correct, it was that members of the Space Force will be called Guardians. Okay. Oh, pressure of 2021. Okay, so you got three out of five. Good job. Okay, how do you feel now? Oh, I hope I'm invited back for a fourth time. I'll have to study next time. Definitely. You will definitely be invited for a fourth time. It was great to, to speak to you for the third time. Thank you so much, Debbie, for being on News Nerds. Thank you for having me. I was really looking forward to this and I enjoy it. And as I say goodbye, I say I love News Nerds from New York. That's it for this week's episode of News Nerds. Thank you to Philip Winchester for being on this week's episode. You heard from him today. He is an actor, and he talked to me about his acting career in an interview. You can find him on Instagram and on Twitter. You also heard from Debbie. She is a New Yorker, and she returned for her third interview on News Nerds. She played a news quiz and answered some of my questions. I'm Ezra Graham, your host for this week's episode of News Nerds. Before I go any further, I would like to comment on the Washington riot that we saw today. It was so horrific. If you go online and see the pictures of these rioters breaking windows, trying to get past police that are clearly restraining them it is just a horrific scene and it should never have happened and this is what happens in a time of unrest i never knew that this country would see that kind of riots that kind of looting that kind of mentality that kind of un-american uh, activities i mean they they interrupted Congress 
while they were trying to pass legislation and confirm the electoral vote. That is clearly an an act of of un-Americanship and and unacceptable rioting. We are on the web at newsnerdshost.wixsite.com slash podcast. There you can listen to past episodes of News Nerds, subscribe to our email newsletter. Then you get updates whenever a new episode of News Nerds is published. You can listen to episodes of News Nerds Cow Pies and other News Nerds Extras at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a review. It really does help our ratings. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week with another informative episode of News Nerds. Until then, goodbye.